0: The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us. If you're tuning in on the live stream or listening on the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're a visitor, I want to just extend a special welcome to you genuinely this morning. We're thankful for you and that you dropped by to worship with us and, and check things out. It's actually a good Sunday to be a visitor here because of everyone's favorite two words, free lunch. Uh, there is a free lunch that Duane mentioned called Beginnings happening right after services just across that little black divider. Uh, so if you want to join us, uh, we'll be uh, having some food and talking just a little bit about the springs, talking about uh, a little bit of the history of this church and where we've been and where we're going. And so uh, we would love for you to to come join us. If you're placing membership, thinking about it, or just kind of checking things out, feel free to to come on over to the beginning's lunch. And if you do uh, come over there, you will probably hear us talk a little bit about our G3 rhythms. Uh, So one of the things that this church did uh, was probably about five, six years ago, is we sat down and we kind of wanted to turn inward and take a look at our DNA. So kind of a mapping of the Springs Genome Project. And we wanted to, to take a look at, you know, what do we, what do, we do? How do? How do our operations kind of proceed? And how do we organize ourselves? And one of the things that came out of that whole process was the realization that most of what we do uh, can kind of go under three different headings. Three different headings that uh, conveniently or creatively enough Uh, Start with the letter G. Gather, grow, and go. Uh, Some of you are saying it with me in your heads. Gather, grow, go. Or just reading it on the screen. But this is how we kind of organize ourselves at the Springs. Uh, Most of what we do can fit under these headings. Uh, So we gather around the Lordship of Jesus. And we meet on Sunday mornings, weekly, to come together to worship God and to encourage one another in the faith. And we also grow. Uh, We grow into the image of Christ through uh, connections groups that meet on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever, and through classes on Sunday mornings, through things like re-engage, working on our marriage. We grow, we dig deeper into Christ. And then we go. We go share God's love. We go into our communities, adjacent to us and we go beyond we go abroad across oceans to share the love of God to share the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ and so that's how we kind of orient ourselves at the springs that's how we think about our activities and this being kind of an important year for us if you've been around for for any time at all uh, you know that we are moving this year we're headed out to a brand new location that is currently under renovation. And, and so it's a big year for us in a lot of ways. And so this being a big year, we wanted to spend the next few weeks to, to the end of the month of January talking about kind of our foundational footing. Kind of getting getting our footing and heading out into this brand new year with a renewed sense of how we organize ourselves and how we act and how we can get in on what God is doing in the world through it. And so this is, a, this is a good time for us, and we're going to talk about gather, grow, go this month for the next three weeks. And we're going to start this morning by looking at gathering. And we'll be in Hebrews chapter 10 doing that this morning. If you want to turn over in your Bibles or follow along on your phones or on the screen, we'll be in Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 25 today. It says this, Therefore, my friends, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord God, we worship you this morning. You are the one who has gathered us here. And you have gathered us under the name, under the banner of Jesus Christ. You've gathered us under uh, that name of mercy, that name of salvation, that name of God with us. Lord, we ask this morning uh, that you would continue to teach us to grow, that you would continue to inspire us to go, and that you would uh, be with us this morning, that your presence would be uh, so pervasive, God, that your spirit would open up our hearts to see your beauty. God, I ask for the gift of preaching this morning and the gift of illumination that we might hear your word afresh. It's in Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray, amen. Is it the walls that make Christians? Victorinus asked Simplician. You're probably wondering where I got such strange names as Victorinus and Simplician. And the answer is 4th century Italy. Uh, So Simplician was a priest, a Christian, and Victorinus was not. He was a pagan. Um, And he was actually quite a famous pagan, a professor of rhetoric in Rome, who also translated works from Greek into Latin. And Victorinus was so prominent, so famous, that he actually earned for himself a statue in the Roman Forum. But though he was a pagan, he continued to read scripture and talk with his friends, and, and he eventually came to the conclusion that he wanted to be a Christian. He became so enamored with Christ that he, he decided and, and told secretly to Simplician that he was a Christian. But Simplician responded, with the tough love of any good friend, uh, that he didn't believe it. Uh, that he, he wouldn't believe it and he wouldn't count him as a Christian until he saw him in Christ's church. To which Victorinus responded, Is it the walls that make Christians then? And this was, he was kind of being facetious and mocking his friend a little bit by saying that, but it really hid a much deeper fear about what it would mean for him to publicly profess his faith, what it would mean for his pagan friends to see him convert to Christianity, and what kind of enmity might befall him. But profess he did. And convert he did. And he eventually did go into church to receive baptism, to receive the sacraments and become a Christian. And, and the elders of that church even said, hey, if you want to do this a little more privately, that's fine. We'll, we'll allow for that. But, but Victorina said, no, I want to profess in front of the entire group, the, the community of believers. And, and so he did. And they received him with rejoicing. And the story of Victorinus's conversion, I think opens up that interesting question for us. Is it the walls that make Christians? Is it gathering in a building that makes the church? Ben talked a little bit about this last week in in his vision sermon on January 7th. And he talked about this idea that we all know that, that the building is not the church. The church is not the building. But does that mean the building is unimportant? Does that mean the building is not of significance? Does that mean having a time and a place and a regular weekly gathering is unimportant for Christians? And that's what we're going to explore this morning. That's what I want to talk about in Hebrews chapter 10. And so let's go back to verse 19 together and begin there. It says, Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So Hebrews is a bit more like a sermon than a letter, actually. It's a bit like a sermon because it's got this one long sustained argument that goes all the way throughout the book. And that one long sustained argument is that Jesus is better. Jesus is superior. He's superior to the angels, he's superior to Moses, he's greater than any high priest. In fact, he is the chief high priest. And so Hebrews talks about Jesus and it uses this kind of language about drawing near to God, approaching God. And when it uses that language, it's drawing us back to the Old Testament. It's drawing us back to Exodus, to Leviticus, this kind of Old Testament language for corporate worship was draw near. It says the people would draw near to God. That is the the Old Testament language for worshiping God together as a body of his people. But it also uses other language from the Old Testament. It says that the new and living way that Jesus opened for us through the curtain. And here it's talking again about the tabernacle. Uh, We've talked a little bit about this, the, the mobile tent that the Israelites would use to worship God in the wilderness. By the way, if you think worshiping God in a gymnasium is a little unorthodox, try a portable tent in the Middle East, in the desert, with no AC. That was the tabernacle. But in that tabernacle, there was this curtain, the veil, right, that separated the inner room from the outer room, the holy of holies from kind of the outer court. And for the Israelites, only the chief high priest was able to get into that inner room containing God's presence, God's glory and splendor. But Hebrews tells us that now Jesus has opened up a new way. Jesus has opened up and inaugurated a new covenant of worship. He's opened up a new possibility for not just the high priest to be in the presence of God, but for all of us together to draw near to God's glory and splendor. That is what Jesus has opened up. And so Hebrews continues to talk about this. And it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So clearly, a big part of drawing near is meeting together. Clearly, a big part of being a worshiping Christian is coming together at a regular time and place for a time of corporate worship. But we grow tired of worshiping, don't we? We grow tired of gathering. We we get fatigued, and and we don't always like going to church. Right? Right? And I think we have different levels of reasons for this, some possibly more shallow, some maybe a little deeper. But people get fatigued and worn out on the gathering, right? So, So part of it's just being tired. Sunday morning, Sunday is supposed to be the Sabbath rest. What's more restful than my mattress? That's probably the most restful thing I could do on a Sunday, right? People like to sleep in, worship at that first and bedside. That's the Sabbath rest. You know, people get tired of getting up and coming to church. And and for another thing, church can be boring sometimes. I get to say that. I'm the one speaking right now. Right? Church can be boring sometimes. It's not the same level of entertainment that we are accustomed to needing in every other area of our lives, right? So, so I, I'm not under any illusion, Ben and I are not under any illusion, that you can go online and find better sermons than the ones we're going to preach. You, know, you can go online, and let's say you want to take the spiritual part out of it. You can go online and find a TED Talk, it's basically just a secular sermon, you know, and, and they're enlightening and interesting and invigorating. Or, or if you want to just take the lecture teaching kind of education part out of it, you've got Netflix. You've got your Netflix queue. I know it's calling to you. You've got your Hulu shows. Like we, people grow tired and they get bored because we, we are so used to this just constant moment to moment entertainment all this kind of thing. People get tired of church. Now, those are the more probably shallow end of the spectrum reasons. But people get tired for deeper reasons than that, too. People get worn out on church because of suffering. You know, People suffer outside these walls and feel that they have to, to come in and then be a certain way. You know, that they have to kind of put on a different countenance, a different face. We, we talk about it as masks sometimes. People feel like they can't come in after being outside and suffering. They get worn out. Or, probably saddest of all, people have suffered inside these walls. People come to church and they get rejected. People come to church, and they feel judged. They feel they've been betrayed by brothers and sisters, would-be brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's painful. It's, it's difficult. People get worn out on coming to church and, and sitting in the chair, sitting in the pew, week after week after week. I got a text late one night in my freshman dorm room from a friend named Tyler. And Tyler said that he was starting a Facebook group and he wanted me to join and he wanted to to know that he could have my support with the group. And so I logged on to Facebook and I looked at the group and it was titled Sunday Morning Worship. And in the description of the group, Tyler talked about this deep desire to get into our community and actually serve people. Tyler wanted to to get out and put flesh on the teachings of Jesus to actually serve the homeless in Oklahoma City, to serve the poor, to feed the hungry. All those things that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25. And so Tyler's premise was Let's stop going to church on Sunday mornings and let's go downtown and serve some people. And I loved Tyler's heart behind this group. I loved it because I think it was an Isaiah 1 kind of heart. If you haven't read Isaiah 1 in a long time, you need to because it talks passionately, God speaks passionately about being so tired of the assembling, of being so tired of these sacrifices, so tired of these religious observances and festivals because there's blood on his people's hands. He's so tired because his people have neglected justice. They've neglected serving the poor. They've neglected all of these things in their community. And so he he can't even stomach the gatherings anymore. He can't stomach these festivals. And that was the heart behind Tyler's group. Tyler was saying, let's get out, Get, get off the pew and actually serve some people like Jesus has been teaching us. And so I, I responded to Tyler that night, and I, I, was, I said I was on board. I, I said I had one question, though. Could we do the service on Saturday? I said, could we kind of have the best of both worlds? Could we serve people and actually get out into our communities, get into Oklahoma City on Saturdays, and then still meet with our brothers and sisters and worship and encourage one another on Sundays? I don't remember what he said, I don't even remember if he responded, I don't know what happened with the group, I don't think much. But I loved his heart behind it. And something occurred to me about Sunday morning worship. So I had an epiphany about this last night. That, that Tyler's very desire, his deep yearning to serve the least of these was the product of a moral imagination shaped by worship. Tyler's very heart to serve the poor, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, was a heart shaped and formed by worship. His heart to go beyond gathering was itself formed by week after week gathering with other Christians figuring out how to follow Jesus Christ. Tyler's desire to feed the hungry was itself called into being by hearing stories week after week about a savior who fed the hungry. Tyler's desire to serve the least of these was itself brought into being by singing songs about the suffering servant week after week after week. And that is why gathering is so important. Gathering is an invitation to do more than gather. Gathering is an invitation to do more than gather. But that is where it all begins. That is where we come together in this this kind of centripetal force, this center-seeking force that ultimately spins out into the grow and the go. That all begins as we gather. That begins as we draw near. Church, we gather because we want to invite people out of a fatigued, solitary, cloistered existence into the dynamic life of worshiping the triune God. We gather and we grow and we go in this rhythm of self-giving love. This this rhythm that is energized and accelerated as we come together again and again and again, experiencing the love of God. That's why we gather, church. Gathering is an invitation to do more than gather. The walls don't make the Christians. I think that's the answer to Victorinus's question. The walls don't make the Christians, but worship does. Proclaiming that Jesus is Lord is the beginning of being a Christian, and that is worship. Proclaiming that Jesus is Lord is, is when we begin to gather around His reign. And that's what we do week after week after week, church. The walls don't make the Christians worship does. So if you, if you want to be made a Christian this morning, I want to invite you uh, to come forward and to stand as we sing.